All right, y'all, what is going on? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. We gonna have a we have a few things to talk about today, but, um, yeah, first things first, I wanted to talk about the big topic right now. Of course, uh, well, important topic to me, at least, but, uh, of course, we're going to talk about the situation going on between Russia and and the Ukraine. That's what I wanted to start things off with. I thought it was a serious situation. Now, just because of the implications and us being, you know, being the U.S. having to be involved for whatever reasons, even though I don't feel like we need to, and I'll tell you why in a little bit. But let's get through the actual what's what's known. Let's get through the actual what's known first. But um, the U.S. government says that officials uh, are well. Sorry. Uh, the U.S. government is sending 3,000 more troops to Poland in response to a potential Russian invasion of the Ukraine, or of Ukraine, excuse me. Uh, uh, Ukraine says they have been surrounded pretty much uh, by, on you know, pretty much different fronts of their border. Also, they've been blockaded at their ports. And uh, this has been done by Russia, of course, and the separatists within the Ukraine state. Uh, they've, you know, formed a pact, it seems like. And uh, Biden and Putin will end up having a discussion. I guess it's either underway now or it'll happen at some point today. I'm guessing because, you know, it's a different time. I don't know. Maybe it's going on right now as we speak. Uh, but, you know, you got. Biden already saying this morning when I wake up that there's going to be some type of consequences if Russia go ahead and invades Ukraine. And this is where it starts to get a little many, you know, because, of course, we know who Russia is allies with and so on and so forth. So, again, you know, there's a reason why I don't always you know, discuss celebrities and we're going into all these surface level topics when this type of stuff goes on. We always got, I feel like I got to put in some of this information here as well because something could pop off. There's a, a high chance of that going on just because of who each side's uh, allies are. And particularly with Russia, they got the big buddy with China, the big buddy ship with China. So you know what it is. <clears throat> People are saying World War Three. I think it could be, I think if people leave it alone, people might not want to hear. I think they need to let the Kiev and Rus figure this out and, and we'll go from there. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't think it needs a world conflict. I'm not, I'm not for it. Uh, but Putin has issued many demands lately, including scaling back NATO troops in Eastern Europe and keeping Ukraine out of NATO, vehemently against Ukrainian uh, independence as well. So I think that, well, at least that's what the Western, um, the Western media is saying, at least in terms of him being against, you know, their independence. But he has you know, demanded that NATO pull back in Eastern Europe. He's demanded that Ukraine not join NATO. And I think for for that, for, for what it's worth, 
It's because he wants his sphere of influence. It's not so much, you know, and of course he's against the West. It's just a power struggle. It's not that he really cares or he really feels. Now, historically, these people do have a tie, have ties. Now, like I mentioned before, the Kiev and Rus, pretty much they were founded as a whole nation together, meaning, you know, parts of both of what would become Ukraine, modern day Ukraine and Russia. Uh, would actually have a, their own federation for a while, and they've always had those ties and speak similar languages, Slavic languages, right? You have those, uh, you know, similarities. So there's always been like a, you know, probably a big brother, big brother, little brother situation or what have you, you know. But you know, it seems like historically, Russia has always tried to assert its dominance over the region, and I don't. And the thing about NATO and the Western powers, I think, I don't think they want physical power. They just want influence and to be able to say, yeah, we're doing these business deals and stuff like that. I don't think it's so much dominance uh, as opposed to what Russia wants. Uh, Russia has always seemed to use force, and that seemed to be their pattern going back to at the very uh, latest 2014. Or if you even look at now, but even that, uh, if you go back to 2014 in the situation in Crimea where they annexed it, uh, there was some violence. Well, there was some, at least, yeah, there was some violence then as well. And, of course, they fought wars over these different regions, that being the Russians and other, you know, of these, other these groups. So there's been multi-level power uh, struggles here, and this is just something the western countries in my opinion don't need to really get involved in this has nothing to do with them in the mind their own fucking business i just this is where we just pull out of this one and just say y'all 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 figure it out i know it seems bad but i don't i i don't see i don't i see putin that's trying to get his sphere of influence back at the very least i don't see him like a world conqueror like you know hitler if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Then maybe then we do something about it. But I just feel like he feels like he's entitled to some old, I mean, some some, some territory that he, used, that he feels used to belong to the, the Soviet Union slash Russia. And they're doing an independent thing. And they're, be, they're, you know, making their own decisions. But at the same time, they are doing business with the West. And with that comes the notion of are you taking up their customs and becoming westernized and more democratic that's what Putin is more worried about here. Um, does he have a right to be? I mean, he has a whole nation to himself. I mean, again, I think it's a little bit of greed here. Every like the song "Tears for Fears," one of the greatest songs. Everybody wants to rule the world in some little capacity, and for and for Putin, this capacity would be at least you know Ukraine, maybe a couple of different places. Uh, in Eastern Europe just to kind of get back to that world power status. This is all that eventually try to challenge for that. I think the West recognizes that, but I just I just don't see it worth being a world conflict and putting all these other, because you know, again I don't think it's worth putting everybody, getting everybody involved right now. Um, you know, Putin wants his sphere of influence 
we have the U.S. population or the U.S. government, sorry, with their interests. Again, both sides have their interests, and it's, it's about kind of power and or influence. That's what it comes down to. And the people themselves, uh, they were able to vote on the matter of independence. At least the Ukrainian people were able to vote on that in 1991. And they overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly voted in favor of independence. Now, there were some issues, uh, more so in, I think, the 2010s, where you would have a president at the time. Uh, let's see if I have his name here. Uh, his name was um, oh, uh, Vitor... Well, anyways, oh yes, yes, Viktor uh, Yanukovych. Yanu now, if I pronounce that wrong, forgive me. That's not my main language. Um, I'm, you know, decent enough at English, but I don't, I'm, I don't, you know, I'm not the best pronounce pronouncer of other uh, of other names just yet. But Viktor Yanukovych was a president of Ukraine at the time. Uh, he wanted to shut down a deal that would pretty much. Um, and well, he he did not want to encourage trade with the European Union. He wanted to create bigger ties with Russia. So, with that being said, yes, the people voted for independence. But there's, I think they want to be free, but they want to be free to make whatever decision they want to. That's what I see. And and again, this would spark protests amongst the people who who it seemed to be. It, you know, a lot of them might have wanted to be more open and wanted to have those uh, trade uh, trade and business opportunities with the European Union as well as the U.S. Uh, but there was also some backlash to that. There was pro-Russian sentiment. There's always been pro-Russian sentiment in that country. That's why I say it's a Kiev and Ruse issue. Uh, for example, uh, you know, the Russia, Russia and the U.S. has played their part to influence going on to influence what is going on with with, with, the, with the Ukraine right now, uh, for the U.S., they've uh, outright tried to influence uh, certain uh, leaders, presidents. Uh, that being, uh, for the U.S., in certain cases, it was about you know you know kind of controlling elections, who gets uh, who gets elected. Also, we had this you know the infamous situation last year with President, well, a few years ago with President Trump, uh, Vladimir Zelensky, uh, with their you know drama and as for Russia Russia would drop two billion dollars to help out with the insurrections following what Yakutovich was you know attempting to do so and they've been you know in the area since then kind of you know starting pro uh, separatist movements like CIA type shit you know kind of really on the low you know sparking all this you know, to begin with on multiple sides. So they, you know, there's there's a part that, you know, Russia and the U.S. plays from the outside. I think Ukraine, in a way, is caught in the middle. Um, now, like I said, in the uh, conflict in Crimea in 2014, you would have a situation where you would actually see um, military and top personnel for the Ukrainians actually defect to Russia like I think it was uh, the the Navy Admiral defected as well as a bunch of so soldiers 
So I think the people themselves are kind of, in a way, they what they would like, in my opinion, is to be independent but have ties with everybody is be able to do business with everybody. Why can't it be that way? Why does it have to be just Russia? Why does it have to be just the Western nations? I don't think the Western nations are telling them don't do business at all with Russia, don't trade with Russia. Uh, I think they take an interest in their safety to an extent. Uh, there is, you know, business, you know, of course, implications too for that economic, of course, I would understand. Uh, but for Russia, I mean, it's like, damn, they can't be independent. Why can't they be an independent nation? Why can't they be free to kind of make those decisions on their own? That's the whole point of allowing them to be independent, not to be able to rule them as some type of satellite vassal as it, as it would be back in, you know, the the ancient times where you just you know make this nation pay you or this kingdom pay you uh in tribute so you don't go to war with them and at the same time you try to influence them in, in terms of culture that's that's all that it's about here it's a culture war economic war you know resources war influence war and um you know i think again it's kind of in the pudding 90 percent of people voted for independence you know, in 1991. However, you do have situations of defection. You might have situations of yes, one in the strength and size of Russia. But that, that's that. All that uh, states to say is, again, the people want to be independent, but want to be able to choose who they align with. And I think, if anything, they would want to be again at least open economically to everybody because that would again help them out because they're one of the poorest nations in Europe. I don't think that would change under Russian control. Would it change completely under U.S. or Western control? No, it wouldn't. It needs to be done under Ukrainian control. So both sides need to leave them alone and let them go about their business in the first place. I don't know what the issue here is with people trying to take back independent countries. That's what that's what we see here. It's a shame. It's really a shame. But... Um, you know, Ukraine wants to also figure out, does it want to be another state of Russia? I mean, because it seems like that might be a sentiment. Or again, you know, does it want to be independent? But again, like I said, be free to make those those decisions on their own completely. That has to be something that the Ukraine, uh, Ukrainian government and constitution has to has to be able to, you know, withstand uh, going on right now. And it's a lot going on for them. So um, I wish... I wish the Ukrainian people the best because they are the most to be victimized and the most, you know, the civilians, it's the civilians who get hurt the most and it's going to be unfortunate. And uh, Russia, they will, they have put out quotes such as this. Um, you got the, um, the Russian foreign ministry saying this is a coordinated in, uh, information attack and it's being conducted against Moscow, along with a list of previous Western warnings of a possible imminent invasion. That messaging is aimed at, uh, I think it was undermining and discrediting Russia's uh, demand, fair demands for security guarantees, as well as Western geopolitical aspirations and military absorptions of Ukraine's territory. Again, that's coming from the Russian foreign ministry that sums it up right there they want to curtail western geopolitical aspirations in the ukraine in ukraine that's it that's what it comes down to that's the biggest issue and 
again, that's up for Ukraine to decide. That's why they're an independent nation. But Russia is saying, eh, fuck all that. And then we have uh, a ministry spokesperson, uh, uh, Maria Zakharova. She would go on to say, "This is." I thought this was kind of a funny quote. Because in the way, I mean, uh, well, y'all take it as y'all want. The White House's hysteria is as revealing as ever. The Anglo-Saxons need war at any price. Oh, I said, oh, she's just talking shit now. But with that being said, that sounds funny. And they're saying, yes, they have to get it shut. They got 100,000 troops overall uh, geared up at Ukraine's border. And they've been conducting all type of drills for months on end. So again, it's it sounds great to say, oh, we're not going to do this. Where they're just lying, but you got the troops at the border. That makes zero sense. But what I can say is, um, I think with the buildup of, like I said, a hundred thousand troops, they are probably gearing up for what could be a bigger conflict that might involve different people as well. So there is that possibility. So. Yes, there is some serious stuff to think about. Um, I don't regret starting your morning off with that, to be honest, because it's real. If I talk about Kanye West and I can talk about basketball and all that, and football, I can talk about this shit too. And we can talk about the baby and Dave Chappelle. We can talk about all all this. So, uh, again, I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're breaking down some NBA stuff. We're going to go through the the, uh, the trade deadline, all the action from there. We're going to break down the scores from last night. And, uh, oh, we're going to talk about the All-Star game as well. And we're going to go through the standings on top of that. And then we're also going to get into uh, my thoughts, my pre-Super Bowl thoughts, uh, and also uh, just some stuff. Oh. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, just some random stuff, uh, whatever might come to mind. And then also we'll be breaking down, of course, oh, I'll be breaking down, excuse me, what I got going on for the future. So I'll be right back, y'all. The biggest thing is the trade deadline. So we're going to be breaking down a few of the biggest trades. I am going to hold off on the CJ McCollum trade. I want to make that, um, I'm going to actually make a quick uh, YouTube bit about that. Just kind of going in on my thoughts for real about that as a Blazers fan. Kind of what it means for the team going on uh, forward in the future. And uh, so I am going to be mentioning a Portland trade, but not that one. We're gonna get that. We're gonna get into that one in just uh, in just a few days, maybe a couple of days, just to be honest with you. So just to kind of get that out there before uh, we get the bigger project out. But anyways, let's uh, get through this uh, trade deadline. Like I said, we're gonna get through the big trades first. Uh, well, the biggest one, at least, uh, being between the Sixers and the Nets. Of course, the Sixers get James Harden. 
uh, for Seth. Uh, sorry. Yes, the Sixers get James Harden for Seth Curry, Ben Simmons, and uh, Andre Drummond. So uh, a swap of some, I think, of a couple key role players for at least the for at least the Sixers with Seth Curry. Um, you know, really reliable shooting uh, coming in. But um, I mean, Ben Simmons, that's interesting. I don't. I mean, again, I saw this one video talking about. Ben Simmons was faking. The Nets about to take over. I thought that was crazy. I don't think that's gonna happen. Uh, maybe he, you know, just wanted to play in a different, you know, environment. Maybe that might help him to some extent. But he still can't shoot. He can play some decent defense though. But anyways, of course we know about Andre Drummond. Drummond, no double-digit rebounds almost every game. So I mean, uh, the Nets get something out of it. Um, of course, for the Sixers, they get the. You know, 10-time All-Star, two-time scoring champion, James Harden, 25 career points per game, uh, five rebounds, six assists. But this season with the Nets, he's averaging over 22.5 points with eight rebounds and also averaging 10 over 10 assists. So, again, um, uh, the Sixers also get Paul Millsap. I mean, that's a thing. Oh, the Nets also get a couple of draft picks. Uh, so a first round pick, first round pick for this year, and a first round pick in twenty twenty seven. So uh, make that with what you will. I don't know about this one. Um, I'm not. I'm not sold on Ben Simmons being this. You know, great talent. Uh, you know, again, people admire his defensive prowess, but you got to be able to score as well. And for the for what it's worth, Giannis, I'm not super high on him. Uh, but I do believe that he at least can score efficiently and, you know, at least well in his own way. Of course, he primarily attacks the basket as we have a three-point shot or the greatest jumper in the world. But he makes points because he, you know, he uh, goes with what works for his skill set at the current moment. So he's great at that. I don't think Ben Simmons can do the same thing offensively. So I don't know. I mean, maybe he turns it on by being with the Nets and, and Kyrie Irving and, Kevin Durant, maybe, I don't know. Uh, for James Harden, I think he's going to just keep on doing his own thing. Uh, he's already, he's going to score with whatever team he's going to play on, in my opinion. Uh, I think, you know, does this push the Sixers over the top now that he's paired with over, with sorry, with Joel Embiid? I, I think so. But again, every everything has to be, you know, we have to wait, kind of wait and see and see how everything plays out. You know, we... You know, we assumed a lot. Of, we assumed a lot of things about the NBA. Um, we assumed a lot about the Lakers this year. Yeah, there you go. So we make a lot of assumptions. We make a lot of assumptions about a whole bunch of teams every year. So um, we know who's in the mix. We know who's you know who eventually makes it. And it's the same consistent. Uh, you know, teams can the can the Sixers get over the hump this year? Can they get can they get past the second round? Can they make it to Eastern Conference Finals? That'll be the question that they need to answer. So uh, I'm not concerned about what happens in the regular season, to be honest with you, or what playoff position or, sorry, what playoff seat that they get. My question is how far do they inevitably get, and do they, if they get a chip. So uh, moving on, we got a trade between the Mavericks and the Wizards. The Mavericks uh, get, sorry, the Mavericks get Spencer Dinwiddie, also Davis Bertans, in exchange for Chris Tapp's poison yeast. Uh, this one again is a kind of a head scratcher because at this point, at this point of the season, Chris Stops is averaging uh, 19, po uh, 19 points per game this season, 
not too bad in my opinion. Eight rebounds, over eight rebounds. He gets he getting a block a game. Um, he has missed some games due to injury though, so I think that's part of it. Uh, they um, also are getting a 20, uh, 2022 second round pick from DC as well. Sorry, from sorry, the Wizards are getting a 20, 2022 second round pick from uh, Dallas as well. And for the Mavericks, I had to look at that right. And for the Mavericks, of course, they're getting Spencer Dinwiddie. He's averaging over 12 points per game, four rebounds, and five assists this season. Of course, he's been in the league for a while now. I think this is his 10th year, uh, so uh, he has some great experience. Uh, but Davis Bertans, five points per game, one just almost two rebounds a game. I am not too sure what they were going with here. Um, now, I get it. Availability means a lot, but you can't. Man, um... You can't replace 20 points overall with 5.4 points. Because overall in this time with the Mavericks, that's what Porzingis was was getting. And uh, even this year, 19 points compared to 5 from Davis Bertans. Uh, David Bertans is barely getting 2 rebounds. Chris Stops is almost getting 8. I mean, sorry, almost 10 rebounds a game. Uh, yes, he's dealing with some... He's had some injury issues, but... I'm not too sure where either. I mean, even both of these players combined uh, match your boy's production. It, it's night and day, and uh, it's it's a bit of a shame. But um, you know, I wow, uh, I I don't like this move. I, I honestly did not like this move by uh, Mark Cuban. I I thought, oh yeah, no, I know who's behind that. Yeah, the, I know who runs the Mavericks, and that was a dumb move in my opinion. This makes no sense. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna say you got him for scraps because I don't feel Spencer Dinwiddie is a is a scrub. I got a lot of respect for him as a player, but the production is, I mean, point wise and numbers wise, is there with Porzingis. Uh, maybe it might be an issue of um, you know, rest or you know, I don't know. I mean, because it's unfortunate he has to deal with injury, and I think that's a lot of what led to this trade happening uh but i mean particularly if you compare the two big men to each other bertans and porzingis it's it's not even it's not even close it's no comparison at all so uh that was a weird that's a weird move by dallas but we'll see maybe there's something else that they got cooking going on uh that i missed uh but we had the kings and the pacers i thought this was a decent uh, trade for both teams uh i saw that nba.com i think it was nba.com maybe even cbs sports uh they wanted to get the, C the kings a c plus for this grade but i don't think so i thought it was a decent grade particularly with what else they were able to do uh you know you know within the trade deadline uh but they ended up getting demontis Sabonis from the pacers he's a two-time all-star uh, averaging a career high 18.9 points almost 19 points per game this year he's fifth in field goal percentage he's fourth in rebounds per game uh with uh 12 a game he's also like i said fifth in uh, field goal percentage at 58 percent uh also third in double doubles with it uh with 34 so solid uh, offensive player averages good def uh sorry good a uh, good amount of rebounds as well like his father used to do and his dad used to play for the trailblazers so I mean, same type of uh, player in a way. Uh, great at offensive rebounds. Uh, really, really good post score. 
So also the Kings are ended up uh, ended up getting Justin Holiday. Uh, he's a career forty percent shooter, thirty six percent from three, eight point seven uh, points per game for him. They're also bringing in Jeremy Land Lamb. Uh, I think he's been a vet for over ten years at this point. Uh, but ten points per game for him on forty four percent shooting and thirty four percent in his career. Second round pick. They also get a second round pick in twenty twenty three. Again, I thought this uh, pick was solid. Uh, they needed a, a good big man. Uh, they needed, you know, some help along, you know, the guard position. And, you know, I think they got it for the most part. They ended up trading away Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald for that. Um, and I thought those were some decent scores for them, um, particularly Buddy Heald. But Buddy Heald had mentioned, you know, his you know, issues with the team before and not really wanting to play for the squad. So I understand it. Uh, but he goes to the Pacers averaging 14.4 points per game on 38% shooting uh, for Tyrese Halliburton. He's also a 14-point scorer, which is, again, I think is a – I mean, once you're getting past, you know, particularly if you're not so much a starter, you're a role player or you're in some type of rotation, uh, not necessarily the highlight score, but you're still getting double digits and points. That's that's some production. So I think the Kings are missing something there, particularly with Halliburton, because uh, he's aver he was averaging seven assists a game. So there you go. They're also getting rid of Tristan Thompson, which uh, at this point is just a salary dump. So that's just that's just how it goes. But I personally uh, thought it was a decent trade uh, for the Kings. Uh, again, they did add some more depth with another trade that I'll be talking about in just a minute. So. I thought it was I thought it was decent, you know, for both teams. Uh, I think, you know, for the Pacers, they get double-digit scores. Uh, they did uh, recently lose Karis LeVert uh, to the to the Cavs, if I'm not mistaken. So they'll be, um, yeah, they'll be looking to kind of replace some offensive, you know, firepower, bring some younger guys in there. They already have, you know, pretty much a young. You know, solid rotation right now. We got Chris Duarte there, so you know, yeah, I think both teams did pretty well with this trade. But anyways, let's move on. We have some multi-team trades to go over. Uh, first up, we have a four-team trade with the Bucks, the Clippers, the Kings, and the Pistons. Uh, again, like I said, the, the Kings were were pretty active in this uh, this free agent. Sorry, this trading period. Uh, but for the Bucks, they ended up getting Serge Ibaka. Great. Three-time All-Star, All-Defensive First Team. I mean, but this is back a while back. Of course, he won a championship with, you know, the Raptors, but how much was he a, a factor in that team, really? But anyways, 6.3 points per game uh, a game this year, over four rebounds a game this year. Uh, for uh, the Bucks, they will also be getting two second-round picks, so I guess that's the highlight, the death that they might be able to get. Eventually, young death, I guess. Anyways, we have the Clippers here. Uh, they end up getting Rodney Hood. He averages ten. Uh, he's averaging over ten points in his career so far, over two rebounds a game. And a solid scorer. Um, again, I've seen him for a couple years when he was with Portland. A uh, decent shooter from three. Um, I guess the hope is he might have some more opportunities in in LA right now. I guess that's why the Clippers are kind of making this move. Uh, they get Simi OJ. A JLA as well, you know. Again, some decent players. I guess worth taking a flyer on. Uh, maybe you know they might get some increased roles. And I like that's the only thing I can think about is maybe they might get some more minutes. But uh, outside of that, I don't. I don't know. Uh, again, 
the team that I did think did decently in this trade, uh, the Kings. Again, I would give them a, a decent B, just like I gave. I would give them on the previous trade. Uh, but uh, they get Dante DiVincenzo. He's averaging over eight points a game. Uh, on 42% shooting, 34% from three, a couple assists a game as well. Of course, he was a part of that that uh, that Bucks team that won the championship last year, so he does have that experience. They're also pulling in Josh Jackson as well, a double-digit scorer, almost well 11.6 points per game, four rebounds for him. Uh, they're also getting Trey Lyles, who is coming off of well, who is currently averaging a career high, just over 10 points per game on 45% shooting with four rebounds a game. They're also getting a second-round pick from Detroit as well. So, again, they get a draft pick. They get some double, a couple double-digit scores. I think a player in DiVincenzo, DiVincenzo, who's on the rise, I actually like him. I think he's a decent perimeter uh, shooter and defender. I think that works for them. The Pistons, like I said, they were involved in this one as well. They get Marvin Bagley via Sacramento. Uh, you know, I guess a decent player as well. So everybody gets a decent player for the most part, I guess. Uh, the Bucks, I don't know what they were shooting for here. I guess this is the, the draft picks. And again, uh, the Clippers, same kind of thing. I guess they're looking for players who, you know, I don't know, who can shoot a little bit. I don't know. I, I really don't know. That one, I, that one I don't understand. Um, let's see. Uh-oh. Well, I did have news on the Portland trade, not the C.J. McCollum one. Oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Here we go. So they did, uh, they were active in a three-team three trade with the uh, Jazz and the Spurs for the Blazers. They get Joe Ingles. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, running rough for the six-man last season. That is solid, but still. Um you got Elijah Hughes, who's in his second year, second-round pick from Utah. Again, this is rebuilding mode. It's not pretty. Um, the Jazz, uh, they ended up getting to kill Alexander Walker from the Blazers, who was recently traded to the Blazers for C.J. McCollum. Uh, they ended up getting Juancho or Magunas as well. And for the Spurs, they get uh, Thomas Sodoransky via Portland. Again, another player that was traded to Portland uh, about a couple weeks ago, a few days ago, something like that. Uh, actually, yeah, along with C.J. McCollum. Um, and uh, he is averaging seven, seven points per game and four assists in his six-year career. So, again, you got some mid-level players getting traded in this one, but just three teams involved. You know, just just swapping swapping some players around. That's that's what we see here. Um, I don't think it, there's anything really noteworthy to, to take away from this one, um, other than maybe Joe Ingles and what he might be able to do off the bench. So, you know, he shoots pretty decently from three, thirty-four uh, percent. You know, yeah. And then of course they get the. They get some young, some young, some young bodies there with Elijah Hughes. You know what it is. It's uh, it's rebuild and it's ugly. But I'll talk more about that later. Just, just letting you know. Let's move along. We got the All Star game coming up. Let's break down the captains. Of course, uh, we have LeBron and Kevin Durant. Uh, for LeBron, he's an 18-time All Star, three-time All Star game MVP. This year, he's averaging 29 points per game, seven rebounds, six and a half rebounds on 52% shooting. Was his year 18? Old man, but he's still getting it done. 
I don't know when he's going to retire. He said he wants to play with his son. I think that's crazy, but if he does it, that's dope. More power to him. Kevin Durant uh, is 12-time All-Star, two-time All-Star MVP. Over 29 points per game this year for him. Over seven rebounds, also over five assists on 52% shooting as well. He's also shooting at 37% from three. Now, let's break down the starters. For Team LeBron, of course, we have uh, your starter. We're going to break down the starters. We have Giannis. This is his fifth appearance. 29 points per game from him, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists. We also got Steph Curry, DeMar DeRozan with his fourth appearance. 27 points per game, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, on 51% shooting, and 30, uh, 34% from three, of course. Turn around the Bulls, turning around the Bulls team that... Again, has been a laughing stock in the league for a while now. Now they're what top two, top three in the conference. Uh, you know, one of the biggest surprises of the season. And of course, Nikola Jokic back once again representing. I guess you would call this the Western Conference. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess it's still the Western versus East. Yeah, the West versus East. Okay, yeah, we still got that going on. Okay. Anyways, uh, we have Team Durant. His starters are going to be Joel Embiid. He also had, wait a second. No, it's not in his first way. It's just y'all just pick who y'all want. Never mind. I got to remember that. So it's just teams now. Yeah, people just pick and choose. Right, like it's the backyard. Okay, got it. I'll be forgetting because I don't watch. So, yeah, that's, that's just what it is. Anyways, John Morant will be making his first appearance. 26 points per game. Uh, for him, five over, oh, sorry, almost six rebounds on almost seven assists, 49% shooting from the three, from, sorry, 49% shooting from the field, 34% from three. We also got Jason Tatum here, Trey Young, and Andrew Wiggins here are uh, representing this team as well. Trey Young is averaging 27 points per game, over nine assists, 45% shooting, 37% from three again, an offensive in, uh, offensive explosion out there in Atlanta and for Andrew Wiggins um, he's well liked by his peers anyways let's take a look at the reserves uh, Team LeBron we got uh, Luka Doncic 26 points a game for him almost 27 in his second appearance almost 9 rebounds a game and also 9 assists 32% uh, shooting from three, so solid year from from uh, most standpoints. We have Darius Garland representing the Cleveland Cavaliers, almost 20 points a game with eight assists, 47% shooting from the field, 37% from three. Again, Cleveland is one of those top teams in the East right now, really turning heads. Really positive news, uh, well, really positive story going out there with the Cavaliers, and of course. Uh, the All-Star game will be held in Cleveland, by the way. Uh, we also got Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, Donovan Mitchell, Fred Van Vliet, and James Harden. And for key, uh, Team KD, we have Devin Booker. Uh, this is his second appearance. 25.5 points per game, five over five rebounds, four assists on 44% shooting, and also 37% shooting from three. We got Carl Anthony Towns, Zach Levine's, DeJounte Murray from the Spurs, Chris Middleton, of course, and then we have LaMelo Ball making his first appearance, averaging almost 20 points a game with seven rebounds and seven, seven assists. And then we got the Rudy Gobert. Yeah, the most infamous of them all. Anyways, let's move on to the scores from last night. Um, some decent action, really. 
Yeah, for the most part. Uh, we got the Cavs getting it done against the Pacers, 120-113. to 113. Uh, We got the Thunder taking the L here to the Sixers, 87-100. to 100. No James Harden just yet. Uh, the Thunder are 17-38. and 38. The Sixers are 33-32, and 32. of course, fighting uh, for that playoff spot, in the higher playoff spot in the East. Uh, but for the Thunder, they got help from Derek Favors, 16 points, 9 rebounds from him. Lugan Dortz and Alexaji uh, Pokusevski. I think that's how you pronounce that. They both got 15 points. And for the Sixers, Joel Embiid will get you 25 points, 4 assists, and 19 rebounds. Tyrese Maxey will get 25 points, 2 assists, and 5 rebounds. And Tobias Harris will get 17 points, 11 rebounds, and also 3 assists. Up next, we got the Hornets beating up on the, on the Pistons, 141-119. to 119. The Hornets are 21-29, and 29, of course, in the thick of the things, in the thick of things in the East. And we have the Pistons here at 12 and 44. For the Hornets, LaMelo Ball will get 31 points, 5 assists, and 5 rebounds. Terry Rozier will get 25 uh, sorry, 30, yes, uh, Terry Rozier will get 25 points, 10 assists, and 11 rebounds, so a triple-double from him. And Miles Bridges will get you 25 points, sorry, 23, yeah, 25 points, excuse me, 25 points, 3 assists, and 4 rebounds. So the Pistons, Sadiq Bay will get you 25 points, 3 assists, and 4 rebounds. And Killian Hayes will get you 16 points, as well as 7 rebounds. And Jeremy Grant and Isaiah, Isaiah Stewart will both get 15 points. Uh, Isaiah Stewart will get 12 rebounds as well. The Spurs uh, they get a W here against the against the Hawks, 131 to 126. The Timberwolves uh, get a win here against the Bulls, 122 to 134. For the Timberwolves, Anthony Edwards will get 20, uh, 31 points, eight assists, and six rebounds. Carl Anthony Towns will get 27 points, eight assists, and eight rebounds. And uh, D'Angelo Russell will put up 18 points as well as three rebounds. For the Bills, sort of for the Bills, uh, for the Bulls, uh, Demar Derozan will get 35 points, six assists and six rebounds. Nikola Vucevic will get 27.7 assists and eight rebounds. And Javante Green will get 23 points as well as four rebounds. And Kobe Wright, again, multiple players with 20, 20 points or more, but uh, 22 points from Kobe Wright and also six rebounds. Let's take a look at the conference uh, standings real quick, starting off in the East. And number one out, out East currently is the Miami Heat, 36-20. and 20 is what they're looking at currently. 7-3 and three in their last 10. They're riding a four-game winning streak. They're 16th in scoring, averaging over 108 points per game. 7th in offensive rating. 1st in three-point um, shooting at 37%. And they're also ninth in offensive rebounds. Defensively, they're not so bad either. Only giving up 104 points per game. 5th in the league. They're also 5th in field goal percentage allowed at just 44%. So... Uh, good balance for Miami uh, so far this year. Uh, number two, we have the Cavs. One of the stories of the year next to the Bulls, 35-21. and 8-2 and in the last 10. Uh, they are four. Uh, they're riding a four-game winning streak as well. Uh, now, earlier in the month, like I mentioned before, they, uh, they had traded for Karis LeVert. Uh, he's currently averaging over 18 points per game on uh, with four rebounds and also three, eight, uh, 3.8 rebounds. So, uh, they get a decent player. They ride a decent winning streak. Uh, they're about I think a game and a game uh, game back uh, from the league leader right now. So it's a really uh, feel good feel good story right now for Cleveland. For number three, we have the Bulls. We have, they are thirty five and twenty one. At number four, we have the Bucks at thirty five and twenty two. At number five, we have the Sixers here at thirty three and twenty two. 
And at number six, we have the Raptors at 31 and 23. Four games back from the lead. Nine and one the last ten. They're riding an eight-game winning streak up. And they are currently ninth uh, defensively with only 106 points. About well, a little over 106 points allowed per game. They're also 13th in rebounds, third in steals, with about with about over nine a game. And they're also 10th in three-point shooting, shooting about 35% uh, from three, almost 36%. So. Uh, Again, a little bit of balance for the Raptors as well. They're able to shoot from outside. They're able to, to defend pretty well. And again, they're they're still in the mix in the East. Uh, we also have the Celtics here at 32 and 35 as well. I think they're riding a, a pretty strong winning streak. And uh, round out the top eight, we have a team that's been struggling as of late. They've been, uh, well, they were at least in the top three in the East for a while now. But the Nets, uh, they've suffered uh, 10 straight losses. They're six games back in the East right now, 29 and 26. And it's just been an uh, uphill climb. They're just uh, fighting, uh, trying to work through Kyrie's availability. Of course, they recently lost one of their pieces to the, their big trio that they were supposed to have. Uh, with James Harden, so it's just been hard times for Brooklyn. Uh, hopefully, uh, something something happens. Maybe maybe Ben Simmons is a spark that they really needed. Who knows? Uh, at the nine and ten spots, we have the Hornets at twenty nine and twenty eight, and we have the Hawks here at twenty six and twenty nine. Of course, if the season was to end today, we have the playing tournament. We got these two guys facing off. So, um, I think when you look at the East, you know, nothing to surprise. Well, no, no. Uh, we've we've definitely seen a, a couple teams take over the top spot and hold on to her for a while. So we've had a musical. We've had somewhat of a musical chairs. Uh, looks like in the beginning of the year, the Bulls shocked everybody was first for a while. Uh, now they're still in the mix to some extent. They're third. Uh, you've had the Heat kind of build their way and kind of climb their way and claw their way to the top. Uh, but uh, we also have the Sixers taking a step back. They were a top three team for a while. Uh, the Raptors are slowly making their way back into the mix. So you have some teams on the up, and then you have some teams, again, like the Nets that are on the down. Uh, the Hornets and the Hawks are trying to maintain maintain some type of consistency. That's their biggest issue there. And the Celtics seem to be streaky as well. They'll go on a winning streak, but, again, as, as we can see, there's still quite a few games back uh, in the East as well. So uh, it's interesting to see what happens. It doesn't seem as top-heavy. Um... As in most years, it seems to be very competitive, and uh, this is what you like to see. Uh, but moving on to the Western Conference, we have at the first place spot the Suns, who are 45 and 10, 9 and 1 in the last 10. They're riding a four game winning streak. Uh, their last W came against the Bucks, 131 to 107. This was a uh, this is what they feel like is a statement win so far, at least in the regular season. But DeAndre Ayton would have 27 points in that game, seven rebounds. Mikael Bridges would get 18 points in that game, and Chris Paul and Devin Booker would both get 17 points. Paul would add 19 assists to his totals as well as seven rebounds, and Booker would get seven assists and four rebounds. Uh, they would shoot 40, sorry, 56% from the field. They would force 10 steals and also 14 turnovers. So all around a great game for them offensively, uh, defensively as well. And again, uh, this is an example of why they're the team to beat in the West. Uh, moving on, we have the Warriors at number two, 41 and 15, eight and two uh, in their last 10, but they are riding a, well, they are, sorry, uh, they do, they are riding two back-to-back, -back, sorry, back-to-back -back losses, excuse me, 
four and a half games back for them. Uh, in their last game Thursday against the Knicks, they lost that one, one sixteen. Of course, uh, they did lose that one. Of course, one sixteen to one fourteen. Uh, Steph would score 35 points in that game and get 10 assists. Clay and Jonathan Kaminga will both end up with 17 points. Clay uh, would also have five assists and seven rebounds, and Kuminga would have five rebounds. So, I mean, um, I think people are coming to play. I mean, Clay is there. You know, you got Kuminga who's emerging. Um, I don't take too much. I don't write. I don't read too much into this loss. But um, I mean, for the most part. I mean, they should be. I mean, they're still in a good spot. I mean, forty-one and fifteen, just a few games back, four and a half to be exact. But I mean, again, they. I mean, they obviously are at. They are still. They are playing at. You know, at this almost. I think, and I don't even think they're at their highest level just yet. But they're getting cl- close to it. So, I wouldn't be worried about the Warriors at all. At number three, we have the the Grizzlies here at thirty-nine and eighteen. We have the the Jazz here at number four, thirty-five and twenty-one. Five games in a row that they've won. Uh, we have the Mavericks here at thirty-three and twenty-three. Twelve and a half games back, seven and three in their last ten. Again, um, the the Suns just stretching out that lead. Uh, the Warriors right behind them, but there is somewhat of a dip. I mean, the Grizzlies are playing really hard, but then you start to see when you, once you start to get to the Mavericks and then the Nuggets at thirty and twenty-five, you start to see. Hmm, there is some drop off. Uh, we'll, ha- I mean, again, it'll be, I guess, it'll be at least interesting to see what happens with the nine to ten teams, uh, particularly because it looks like the Lakers will be in that spot. Uh, but uh, rounding out the top eight, we have the Timberwolves at twenty nine and uh, twenty seven. We have the Clippers at twenty seven and thirty, and then of course in that nine and ten spot, we have the Lakers at twenty six and thirty. Nineteen and a half games back, three and seven in the last ten, and they have back to back losses as well. Just all over the place with this team. Uh, they are 11th in scoring. That's a solid, but uh, they are 27th in points allowed at one uh, 112, and they're allowing more points than they score, and that's not a good look. Uh, they are also, but they are top 10 in blocks and steals, so that's weird, uh, but they are averaging 14.8 turnovers a game, almost 15 turnovers a game, and that's uh, pretty bad. That's 26 in the league, so they have some things to work on. I don't know. Um, I don't know what to say. It hasn't all worked out for them. Just keeping it real. And finally, we have the Pelicans here at the 10th spot, 22 and 33, 5 and 5 in the last 10. Hopefully, CJ will help them out. That's that's all I can really say. All right, y'all. I'm gonna call it a wrap for today. I didn't want to go go too deep because I try. I will try to be back here uh, Sunday night or tomorrow night. Of course, to go over the Super Bowl. Of course, we're gonna be going over some more college basketball. Want to go over the conference standings there. We'll also get into to some scores from over the weekend, um, and then also we'll be getting into some more of these uh, these geopolitics games. Of course, Russia, Ukraine. Uh, of course, the U.S. wants to stuck its nose in that. Of course, we have our own issues to worry about. We'll, we might end up coming across some of those issues to talk about as well. So um, I will be leaving the links available for you guys. Uh, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. And I'll highlight you guys later.